Welcome to Running is Bullshit, I'm Stuart. And I'm Amy, and you're listening to the podcast that loves to hate running. I tell you what, it is a relief to be back in front of my screen, have you in two dimensions and not in a cafe. Definitely. Yeah, thank you to everyone who came to our live show, and sorry I got everyone's name wrong, but that's pretty much... I'm going to say, that's just a character I play on the podcast, it's not oh, actually it? me. I'm normally really good with names, but I have to sort of switch them around, oh god, Amy's got somebody's name wrong again, Amy The little jokey thing that we do. Oh, oh god, it's my whole, my whole persona, so I'm like a drag queen, but Oh, that's what queen. it is. You are, <laughs> yeah, you are the pod queen, yeah, everyone knows that anyway. Uh, yeah, again, thank you very much for everyone that came along. Uh, it's lovely to do a live show. Might not do one for a little while, because, you know, it was it's quite hard work, and it's, it's quite a lot harder to do than this is, because we can edit the shit out of this. Yeah, and I always feel like really awkward having to read show notes. Obviously, when we're doing this, we have notes that we follow. Yeah. Uh, not to the T necessarily, but we have notes. And I felt really awkward, like on on a little, not on stage, because we weren't on a stage, it wasn't that fancy, but no, on a little table. It was a table in a cafe. <laughs> yeah. <Come on. laughs> but looking at the notes, uh, well, at the same time, I'm like, well, I can't just freeball this. I can't just do it off the top of my head. So it did feel a bit like I was on uh, the news doing like an auto cue, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then you like pause for laugh. No one laughs. Yeah. Shit. Okay, carry on. Fine. So uh, you literally can hear the pin drop. So we we might do that again, or we might not. Um. So anyway, to move on with the show. Uh, just to continue a joke I did on Twitter recently because I thought it was funny. Um, the London Marathon has got a new headline sponsor. They it was the Virgin Money London Marathon or VMLM, which is fun to say. I don't know what Virgin Money is. It's something to do with money. That's all I know. But VMLM is fun. It's now called the TCS London Marathon, and that is rubbish. I looked it up. It's, is it Tatar? 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 Whatever way you say it sounds weird, but Tatar, that's the steel company, is it? Or is that. Well, they do They do everything, and this is like yeah. their consultancy services. Again, what the fuck is that? Don't yeah. know. Yeah, at least like you recognize like Flora or Virgin as like a, a broader. Yeah, but still, it's Virgin, it's Virgin Money. Like, is that a bank? I don't know. <laughs> Is it is it to do with charity or is it like called is Virgin Money the charity site because of London Marathon? Because that's why you know. if you're raising money for charity you can do it through the Virgin Money. But I, I, don't know. I think it's just it's just one of those corporations that are just so big they just do everything. Yeah, it's like yeah. Tata do consultancy and steel apparently because those are matching up things. Again, it's just for some rich people in London to, to pay attention to and it's just to make them seem nice. But it's a rubbish name. The TCS London Marathon is rubbish. So I've got better sponsor names that I think for other companies could take over and keep the fun name. Uh, my suggestions are the BNM LM. Yes, yes. I'm not sure how much money BNM have got to be fair for that, but uh, also the CNN LM. Mm-hmm, like that. Could work. The KLM LM. Yeah, the Dutch are very interested in the London. If Marathon. they want to get into that, or the M and M's LM. Oh, I like that one. That that's a winner. I think B and M or M and M's one of those definitely. The, the KLM LM is just perfect, but I don't know why they're not into this. And the TCS, what the fuck that is. <laughs> oh, and also big news, Amy. We're on Instagram. Oh. Seventy-five episodes and three years in. I thought, fuck it, I might as well just get Instagram and put something on there like once a week. That'll do. That's fine. Have, have we got many followers yet? Are we Insta-famous? Uh, I don't think we're Insta-famous yet. We've got enough. That's fine. It's probably the same people that follow us on Facebook and Twitter as well. So it won't be anything okay. new to them. Yeah, if you want daily updates of feet, then follow us on Instagram. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, um, well, I'm going to talk about my marathon later on. Three weeks ago, that was now. Just pulled off my big toenail this oh. very morning. Whole thing. That's disgusting. Came off. I uh, didn't put a picture of it on Instagram. Perhaps I will after the episode. God. 
I hate it. I hate it. Anyway. <laughs> so we are running his BS podcast on the Instagram if you want to be just like mildly disappointed that we don't post very often. <laughs> it's really just a reminder to up to download the bloody episode. It's, it's, it's all we care about, really. Yeah. Amy. <clears throat> that was a squeak. Amy. We're a week late with this uh, podcast. Oh, How is your bullshit? Have you had a genuinely bullshit <laughs> few weeks? Yeah, I've had a bit of a bullshit few weeks. Just like oh, not even like a funny of... bullshit few weeks. No, no, oh, no. no, no. It was the depths of despair. Yeah, just some like I every now and again I just and if pe- other people suffer from mental health issues, they you'll probably have a similar thing. Where every now and again you just have a maybe it's a few days, maybe it's a few weeks, maybe it's a few months where you just have like a really low period. So I've, I've had that, which has been a bit shit. And it sucks as well, because I know that running is really good for my mental health. But when you're really low, you don't want to run. But you know that if you just push yourself and went out for a run, you'd feel better. So you get sort of trapped in that cycle of not running, blah, blah, blah. Um, so yeah, that really sucked. And I'm sort of coming back out of it now. So it's just been a few weeks of just feeling sorry for myself. But then also giving myself a bit of space to feel sorry mm. for myself. You yeah. know, I've got to like say, you know what? I just need to chill for a bit. Need to knock off some commitments like this podcast that I don't really care about anyway. Yeah, it doesn't help with me sending you messages like every day saying, oh, Amy, have you got this interview lined up? Amy, can you do this song? Yeah. Oh, Amy, have you, have you looked at the notes yet? Have you got any news? Amy, have you looked at this? And you're just like, fuck off. I know if I don't get a reply time, for a few days, I know I'm yeah. just like, okay, I'll just leave that. The thing is, though, like, I need to be, like, more like, yeah, I can't do this at the minute because I'm having, I'm not very well because of, you know, bad mental health at the moment. Because I guess people, if I had, which I've got a cold at the moment, but if I had, like, really bad flu, I'd straight away be like, oh, yeah, I've got flu. I can't look look at this at the moment. But it's like a mental health thing. I feel more like I have to push through it and get on with things and then it makes things worse. So, yeah, I, I think I need to be a bit more like, ah, I can't do that. Um, Fuck off, Stu. Leave me alone. Yeah, yeah. Fuck off. Um, I also before that, this is probably didn't help in terms of going into sort of the depths of depths of despair. But I've had to take a break from running for a bit for a few weeks. I took a break um, just because. So I'm supposed to be running an ultra today, which I think I mentioned at the live episode. I was like, oh yeah, I'm doing an ultra. Um, I'm not, and like I say, no. good thing I'm not because I've got a bit of a cold. But also. I think I just did way too much over the summer. I think I just absolutely, you know, the thing oh, is about the it. the irony <laughs> of Amy who built up her oh, mileage too much. Yeah. So I did train quite well over the summer. Like I did train for the races that I was doing. Um, I, I did like all the long runs. I didn't do as many in the week, but you know, I did a decent amount of training. And then I did way too many races, like two ultras. No, it was like I did an ultra. I then did a trail marathon that took me eight hours because it was so fucking hilly and then i did an 18 mile race which was horrendous because it was so hilly and on top of all that stuff i did within the space of like a month and a half or something i did all this stuff um but also i didn't have like that strong a base going into the training just because i I, my running had been patchy anyway all your flat training as well yeah, 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 exactly. That was the thing. I was doing like a shit ton of hills in these races and most of my runs are just on the flat pretty much. I'm like five foot above sea level where I am for most of my runs. Um, but like, so I think it was that 18 miler that just broke my body and I tried going out for runs after that and I just, I felt mentally exhausted. My body was aching everywhere and I thought, you know what? You just, you just need to take a break for a few weeks and just let yourself recover because it's like, like plastic overtraining where you're really demotivated and, and everything aches so shout out to off the tarmac who are organizing the ultra that i was supposed to be running today because i emailed them literally a couple of weeks ago and said oh i'm not gonna be able to do this race 
Um, do you offer deferrals? I totally understand if you don't, because I understand the event's two weeks away. And they were like, yeah, sure, no worries. We'll defer your entry. And I just, I really love it when races do that. I, I, yeah, it's I so easy as well. Yeah, a lot of races would be like, no, fuck off. <laughs> it's two weeks away. But um, it was the same with the uh, rhythm that I didn't do this year, just because it was just too much the week after an ultra. And I messaged them literally the night before. And I said, look, my feet haven't recovered. Um, I didn't even ask for a deferral because it was literally the night before. I said, my feet haven't recovered, you know, but I'll, I'll, I'm looking forward to racing this next week. But just so you know, I'm, I'm not going to be there tomorrow because they have a quite small field. So I think they often appreciate it if people email them and say they're not they're not coming. Um, and I got an email like a few days later after the event saying, yeah, no worries. We'll just defer your entry. And that, yeah. that's with Pegasus with Reese, who we interviewed last episode of the live show. I just really respect races that do that like shout out to all those races that defer entries i think that's yeah. great and speaking of reese uh, just had uh, his baby so the, the next challenge has commenced yes yeah no more uh well i don't know i don't know how they they organize things in their household but i don't know how often he'll be off running down the that canal he runs down for hours at a time i don't know <laughs> yeah those long runs might be a bit trickier from now on yeah yeah uh, unless he's going to be running along with a, a buggy you know i don't know how i'm sure he will as soon as he can <laughs> i don't know how much how you can get a buggy up a mountain that easy but yeah he'll find a way i'm sure i'll give it a go also speaking of reese i actually quite literally ran into him the other day and he was uh supporting josh llewellyn jones who was doing loops around cardiff bay i think they said it worked out to about four miles and he was doing it um over 24 hours and um i think his i think his quad had torn or something by that ah. point i saw them like four hours in he tore something in his quad it was something it says on his instagram what happened oh. so basically he was walking the rest of it in an immense amount of pain so why like was he not going was... to hospital yeah <laughs> Well, he didn't know this until he had like the oh. he'd been to the doctors and stuff afterwards. But yeah, for basically twenty hours, he was an incredible amount of pain, just limping this route around the bay. But he kept going. But yeah, <laughs> why do people? I I kind of in a way respect people that are like you know what, no matter what, I'm going to get this thing done. But at the same time, if you've got an injury that bad, just fucking stop. Yeah. <laughs> oh. You I can think he's really, things. He's really fucked things up. Yeah, he's he's having to take oh. quite a bit of time off after that little excursion. But he was doing it for charity as well, so fair play, I guess. Oh, um, and then finally, so I have been going out running a bit more this week, so I'm just still t- easing myself into it again. But I did a run with my dog Pippin yesterday, and it actually went really, really well. So Pippin's a bit reactive when we run. She likes to sort of lunge at cyclists and other runners and bark and stuff. She just gets very overexcited. She's not an aggressive dog at all. She's just very, very overexcited and wants to chase things. She's like a she's a beagle harrier so they're designed for chasing foxes and bark all the time while they're doing it you know so it's it's part of her prey drive but i went on a run with her yesterday morning we went around the bay uh, we did like six miles saw lots of runners lots of cyclists she was good as gold so i was really pleased about that i was really Aww, proud of her that's very i didn't good. even i didn't even use any treats and she was just really well behaved be a good girl yes. Well, by the look of like the nine Instagram accounts that your household has, you've just had some lovely walks recently. Yeah, that's what I've been doing. Lots like, of lovely dogs. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the thing that when I'm feeling like down and I don't want to go out and run, like at least I have to take the dogs out because yeah. that's like the highlight of my day then is being able to take the dogs out. Whereas if I didn't have dogs, I'd just sort of sit in the house the whole time and not do anything. So yeah, that, that's another part of like getting me through those those things. Mm. So yeah, that's been my pretty shit, but also pretty okay. <laughs> last few weeks Stuart what have you been up to 
Um, I also think partly, mainly, why you may have delayed this is because you just couldn't be bothered to hear about my marathon story because you knew that was going to be a big deal for me. Yeah, I'm just going to mute just it like, now. I'm just yeah. going to mute this and then just sit back and look at Instagram. <laughs> um, before I get to that, I just want to say uh, we did a run the other night and you know how pre-run faff can be a real ball ache. I know we've gone through this before, like all mm. the stages you have to go through, all the things you have to collect. There is no pre-run faff like nighttime trail can across pre-run faff. In winter honestly, as well. Like, yeah, honestly, it took us about <laughs> half an hour to get ready for that. There was oh so many things. <laughs> just all the usual clothes, all the other stuff to put on, the harness for William, William's lights, extra lights. And it's just, uh, it took fucking ages. But it was a lovely run in the woods, in the complete darkness, seven of us and two dogs. A uh, lot of fun. Probably we'll do that again. Nice. Um, so the main event, obviously for me, I did a marathon at last. Hey! I'm finally a real runner. Yeah. I've achieved the goal of all runners and run a marathon. Sorry, I've run the marathon, and it's it was it was fine. Yeah, but it was in Newport. So how was that? Well, <laughs> yeah, you, people say like it's in Newport. It's not really in the city of Newport. Hmm. It's for like a mile at the beginning and the end, or a couple of miles beginning and the end, and then it's just out on country lanes. Like, if you've ever run on a country lane, it's that. Oh, that sounds quite nice, actually. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was pretty boring, because it's flat. It's just lanes, hedges, and fields. Uh, and it rained all morning. So it was at least drizzling, pretty much, all morning, the whole time. Nice. Um, oh, there was something before the race as well. The thing before the race that really annoyed us is was actually there was a shed load of toilets. That was brilliant. But like the block that we were kind of queuing for, there's I think there was 25 toilets in a row, but there were only two queues. And that is not enough queues for 25 toilets. No. And then people were standing a good like 20 feet back because they had to give them, you know, space to look around and see which of the 12 doors that. they had to scan. Yeah. And so then like someone comes out and the next person in line gets a little nudge and they're, oh, and then they stroll towards the toilet and it's like 10 or 15 seconds. I'm like, come on, let's go, hurry up. Yeah, no, you need to have a line per toilet, I think, because you, like you say, you can't, well, especially that might be, if they're, they're strolling across. At the same time, somebody else is coming out of the toilet. So you're watching these, this person strolling, thinking, what the fuck are they doing? And then you have to think, oh yeah, and now somebody else is coming out of that one. And by that time, somebody else is coming. It's too much. Yeah, but then there, there's that midpoint as well. And no one quite, because there's only two queues between 25 toilets. If someone's in that like 11th, 12th, 13th, the two people are looking at each other. Was oh, that you? Is that me? Or oh, I don't know. Um, so there was one woman who got to the front of the queue and, you know, a door opened and she ran over there. I was like, yes, that's the attitude we need. Good for you. <laughs> but she went to the toilet next to the one that was free, pulled the door. It was still locked because the thing was still turned to red. So she pulled it. And so she kept on pulling it. And she just kept oh, on pulling oh, and no. shaking this door. <laughs> like she's standing next to the one with the open door and she's just rattling this door. That's, That's so my worst nightmare that I'm sat on a portaloo and somebody is frantically trying to get o- the door open and then they pull yeah. the whole thing over. That is. Oh, I, yeah, she wasn't quite that vigorous. Mm. But, uh, that would still be a fear of mine. So yeah, any uh, race organisers, you need a marshal on the toilets. I'd say 25 toilets. I'd say five queues would yeah. be enough there. And split people up into pace. Like, are you a, a two-minute pooer? Are you <laughs> yeah, poos and wheeze, please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. Um, so there we go. I started the race. The plan the whole time was the four and a half hour pace. I've kind of said it for a week. It's fairly arbitrary, four and a half hours. I didn't really know what kind of form I was in because I've never done a marathon, never run for that long in one go. Four and a half hours, going to do four and a half hours, not going to dick about. Um, as soon as I started, ran with a friend. We ran with a 4.15 pacer. Just straight away <laughs> broke what I always say is to have a plan, stick to it. Ruined that straight away. I mean, it's only 15 minutes, so I didn't think it'd be too bad. And the pace was pretty good. Um, I ran with a friend for about eight miles. I quite enjoyed that because all we did really was just 
take the piss out of people. Because, <laughs> you know, when you see other people running, you're like, they, they run a bit weird. And like, why are they wearing a coat? Why have they got a woolly hat? People with woolly hats in runs anyway just always gets me. I don't understand it. This is what new runners are scared about. People like you judging them. You know, you say to yeah, new runners, like, especially <laughs> yeah. like women, and they're like, oh, I'm worried people are looking at me. You say, no, no one's looking at you. It doesn't matter. No Who one's cares? paying attention. They're getting on. And then there's like you saying, yeah, and I like look runners up and down and say, they run a bit weird. They're wearing weird things. <laughs> yeah, well, the thing, it was, it was drizzly, but it wasn't cold. And there were so many people with jackets. I'm like, you're going to be having that round your waist within two miles and you're going to carry it for five hours. <laughs> You're going to have a bad time with that. Um, so I ran with that pacer. I actually accidentally got a little bit ahead of them, uh, kind of around. I actually ran with that pacer for about 23 miles, which wow. I was really, really pleased with. I could have dropped off at about 12 because I was just like, by that 12, I was kind of bored, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, the pacer caught up with me and running with the pacer, running faster than I wanted to, was actually really helpful because it gave me a focus. It gave me something to do to stay with this little group. And I think even with a little group of seven or eight people who weren't talking, that was still better than running on my own at just kind of jogging, you know, you've got your kind of just get to the end pace. I didn't want to do that because I thought it's just going to feel really long. Even if it was only 20 minutes longer, it would have felt a long time running at a pace that felt a bit shit. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I managed about 23 miles. But then, yeah, by the time I got to that point, I was like, well, fuck it, I'm done now. And I did just like jog in the last 5K or so. So the whole thing was running like six minute kilometers. And then I dropped to like seven minute kilometers for the last four or five, which I think was pretty good. It felt like a big slowdown, but actually only a minute a kilometer down. That was quite nice. And compared to some of the other people I, I ran with, some of my friends who I think by the end, they dropped to six minute kilometers from a much higher pace. And that's like the slowest they have ever run in their lives. And so I really wish I could have been at the end just to see how bad they looked. I know one person actually, I was told the other day, he got over the finish line and was offered a wheelchair. <laughs> that's when you know not it's a good bad. Sign. Yeah, yeah I would love to, I would have loved to have seen that because he's a really good runner, but I think he just went out way too quick and just suffered at the end, was offered a wheelchair, bless him. Um, so my, my finishing time was 4.17.58, which will do, that's fine. Yeah. I am not desperate to beat that. I'm not one of these people that are like, I want to do it again. I want to do it in four hours. And none of, no, I don't care. I, if I don't do a marathon again, I won't be that bothered. I think I'll probably do one again at some point, but I don't think I'll do a flat, fast one because I just can't be asked. Which is not something I'm up for at the moment. And um, So some of the bullshit things about the race. The furthest point of the route where you turn around and head back isn't actually halfway. And that was really annoying. That was only 10 miles. Because there was more wiggling. It wasn't quite an out and back. It was kind of a a big loop, a straight bit where you went both ways and then a loop at the end, if that makes uh, sense. Yeah, yeah, So the halfway point where you turn back towards Newport wasn't halfway. That was annoying. But it was through a little town called Mega and there was quite a lot of support there. And that was nice. A thing that really pissed me off, people dropping litter on the cones. So down this section of a couple of miles where you ran both ways, there's cones down the middle of the road. And every single cone was gel wrappers and rubbish. What? And like, they're not fucking bins, they're fucking cones. The guy who's picking up the cones isn't the person picking up the rubbish. It's a different thing. And so people just, I don't know why they think that's fine to leave your rubbish there as opposed to anywhere else. Yeah, if you brought it with you and carried it with you, you can carry it to a bin. You know, you can keep it on your person until you get to a bin. It's just really strange. Yeah, just hang on to it. Put it in a bin later. There's bins every three miles for water. Put it in the same one. Just don't drop it on the cone like that's okay. 
Though I did drop a packet of tissues quite early on, so I did add to the littering problem. But that was accidental, so it's not my fault. <laughs> Biodegradable, surely, as well. I carried water bottles quite a way. I think I finished the race with a water bottle in my pocket because I'm not chucking it in the bushes. I'm not a dick. Um, also, towards the end of the race, the roads got very straight. Um, so we kind of came into an industrial estate, like a long straight road. And then there was a long out and back section i think it was about a kilometer out and a kilometer back towards the newport transporter bridge which is fine it's lovely if you like you know in transporter bridges there's only two in the uk i believe one other than middlesbrough it's very exciting if you like a bit of industrial architecture but when you're running at it like end on you can't actually really see it because you can only see the end of it not like the width of it over the river which is the impressive part mm-hmm. so and just and also at 24 miles who gives a shit about transport bridges so i mean I they make a big the deal there. about that don't they They make a big deal about the transporter bridge isn't it on the t-shirt as well one Probably. of the t-shirts like the 10k or something i mean if it's in newport there's gonna be a transporter bridge on a t-shirt yeah <laughs> and it's like literally no one gives a shit at that point i mean it was nice to do that little bit of out and back because i did t- see two people ahead of me that i knew so i was just like yay hi that was the only time i saw people after um after eight miles so that bit was okay but it was just really long and then there's a long straight road over another big bridge uh, across the river and then into the center of newport again big really wide road through like kind of pretty much like a retail park but just like wide straight roads which is really really boring and there's also like because there was a 10k as well there was 10k signs out which were in kilometers and there were also marathon mile signs but there are also markings on the road and then there were also marshals shouting different distances so i had no idea how far i had to go like i got to the last mile i thought i'm pretty sure it's about three quarters of a mile to go and the marshal was like yep well done just over a mile to go like what but there was a 2k sign but then there was also a a mile sign but she said it's over and so i was just doing that for the last few miles i had no idea how far there was to go Uh, that was annoying um a shout out to trevor lee from the 44 at 60 podcast um i i was running behind him and he had like a little back number saying 44 at 60 podcast and i was about to ask him whether that was his podcast about running and he whipped his phone out and starts recording as we were running through mega because there was loads of support there he was like running through and like i'm now <laughs> 10 miles running through the little town of mega and he got a great broadcast voice trevor um so as soon as he kind of finished that i was having a chat with him so uh, it seems to be kind of a, a business slash running website so if you want some networking tips for your business trevor's trevzy man I haven't heard of it. I'll have to check it out. So there we go. That's my marathon. Done that. Well done. Easy. Easy. Next one. (laughs) You know what? Definitely. When people worry about ultras and being stupid and too hard, that marathon was harder than my ultras. Oh, to be honest. Yeah. This is why I don't really have much interest in doing road marathons because I can imagine they're really fucking hard. Because yeah. the expectation is, if you want to perform at like a good level, that you run for most of it. And that's yeah. I, like I think I walked for 30 seconds, maybe, maybe up to about a minute. That was kind of it. That was in the last few miles because I just couldn't really be asked. But like running, and I, really, I ran at a pace I was slightly uncomfortable with for most of it. And it was about the end. Oh, that was the one of the worst things after I finished was my shoulders. No one tells you your shoulders will fucking ache after a marathon. I don't know why. I was consciously trying to drop them because I didn't. No, I didn't have a bag on, so I didn't have that kind of thing of trying to hold the bag up or anything. And I could feel my shoulders getting a bit sore, and I was consciously trying to run with my arms down and dropping my shoulders. But at the end, they absolutely killed me, worse than my legs initially. And there was a couple of times we were chatting after the race in the multi-story car park where the bag drop was. And someone would say so, and I'd shrug and go, ah! Because I just, like, even just like a little unconscious shrug 
just really just like sharp pains through both my shoulders. It did kind of wear off by the end of the day. But you know what? By Tuesday, two days after the race, my legs were fine. Mm-hmm. And I feel a little bad saying that in a way. Because I'm like, you know, people suffer for a long time. I haven't really tried to run that much and that fast since. But by Tuesday, I went for a dog walk. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm all right, actually. It's not that mm-hmm. not that big a deal in a way. Yeah. I suppose you had loads of strength in your legs from doing all the ultras that were incorporating like loads of hills and stuff. And- yeah, I think my legs are kind of used to it. And I think that's just a, one of those things. I've been running so long. It's... I might not be necessarily always be getting quicker and better, but the recovery, I think, becomes a bit easier. I guess yeah. until I start getting really old and then the recovery will become much, much worse. To be honest, my legs don't hurt after pretty much any race now. It's always my... If it's been a, like an ultra or whatever, it's just my feet that always hurt. That's it. Mm. My legs are just like, yeah, whatever. So there we go. That, that is my marathon. Well done. Yeah. Um, just oh, another quick thing that's happened recently. I think it actually happened um, just before our live episode and I didn't want to talk about it then. But uh, cross-country... Our local league has voted on whether to equalise distances for women and men, and the clubs in the end have voted 13 each uh, for equalisation and the status quo, which means status quo remains, and Uh, women will run about 50% less than the men. I'm not going to go into it, because I've said it so many times, this podcast is bullshit. However, our club is going to carry on running this year because we think we can campaign from the inside. Because if we drop out and there was another club who have kind of led this from Bristol, who have uh, really led the campaign, if those two clubs drop out and if they happen to do another vote next year, well, that's 13-11 next year. So we'll do it for another year, see how it goes, try and campaign. Um, I spoke to Maud Hodson from Run Equal, who we had on the show ages ago. uh, And she sent me some like back numbers with the Run Equal logo on. So our runners are going to be wearing those if they want to. And, um, well, actually, I can't do the next race. And I kind of got someone in my club to go and be the team captain because cross country is really complicated. I said, right, I'll give you these run equal things if people want them. And he sent me back. Uh, he already had his ribbon, his green and purple ribbon ready to wear on the day. So hey. he's a good person to have in charge. Yeah, I so, think you've, you've got it. If you want change, you have to do it from the inside. I think stuff yes. like this, like I can understand not wanting to participate if if you feel like what they're doing is wrong, but at the same time, nothing will change that way. The reason why the status quo has remained is because it's the same bloody people that are voting no every single time. Yeah, shout out to great Western runners who are the ones really leading this, and hopefully I can have a chat to them and we can try and change it soon. So there will be some cross-country stories coming up at some point. (sighs) There we go, that was quite a big catch-up. It was, we were like half an hour in. But you know what? we're going to kind of carry on talking a bit about marathons because what I want to talk about is running photos. (laughs) Now, before the marathon, what what really made me laugh, I was sent an email which gave me the opportunity to pre-order my marathon photos, which is really (laughs) weird, isn't it? Yeah. Because you you pre-order something that's limited or to make sure you get it first before it runs out. Like, these are digital photos. They're not going to run out. No one's going to buy my photos and they'll be like, oh, sorry, someone's bought your photos, so we can't do anymore. Um, why would I and also why would I pre-order it because the product doesn't actually exist yet either they haven't taken the photos Um, it turns out there were 18 photos of me but only one or two of them would be actually any good because there's one or two good ones from the finish and then there's about 10 photos from the finish that aren't very good so I don't know why I'd want the rest of those I don't know why I'd want all of them so if I wanted to buy one it would cost me 13 pounds or I could buy all 18 for 25 pounds and it just made me ask on our social media, what the hell is this pricing model and whether anyone actually understands it? Um, Amy, have you ever bought any race photos? I have. I have brought, bought you only have. one 
race photo and that was for Reykjavik half because I actually looked like mm-hmm. a normal human being in it and not absolutely horrific like I do in pretty much every other official race photo. I think yeah. one photo cost £18 but that was um, obviously Ooh. what do they but what do they use in Iceland? Is it Krona? I can't remember what the Something currency like is in Iceland now. Um, but either way obviously Icelandic prices are, are a lot. Yeah. You know, it's very expensive. In I Iceland, mean, a Twix so cost eighteen pounds in Iceland. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. I remember going to Reykjavik. We went to do a shop just for like an overnight sort of evening and morning snacks, and it came. No word of a lie, sixty quid. Sixty quid. No alcohol or anything involved there, and then vegans and no like dairy or meat products. <laughs> it was just like snacks, just biscuits and stuff. It was sixty quid. So actually, eighteen pounds is probably about fifty p. You know, when you can work <laughs> yeah. it out like that. That's yeah, dirt so, cheap. Yeah. But, um, I mean, the Facebook likes alone were worth their weight in gold when I made it my Oh, that's picture. what it's all about. It was a really, to be fair, it was like a really, really good picture. So I was happy with that. To be honest, the ba- this sounds awful, but the best race photos I've found are from events where either I'm not sure whether the photographers are volunteers or the cost of the photos is included in the price. But either way, it's where the photos are free. So when I've done, um, like, Relish, who do running events, uh, usually around Bristol sort of area, their photos in the main tend to be free and they have a load of photographers around and those have been absolutely fantastic. Um, Whereas I I guess because there's more people running like official like marathons and stuff, my photos just tend to be awful. I look awful. There's usually somebody stood in the way. Well, the thing is like, they're not, I always, what I think is they're not necessarily awful photos. Like if it was a genuinely awful photo where it looked bad, I would like that more, but they're not. They're just me like with my eyes half closed or scratching my ear or just like, or just in a weird thing because I'm just adjusting something. And yeah. they're just like those kind of mid photos. They're just nothing photos. You don't want them. They're not funny and they're not good. And they're not worth the money, basically. No. They're not. They're, the, the price is so inflated, but we'll be getting into that in a minute why that might be. <laughs> yeah, we had a shitload of engagement on this. Obviously, definitely a hot topic. Everyone had an opinion. Like straight away, we had loads of things come back. And, and it's an easy thing to have a rant about because we say like 18 pounds for a photo, that's bullshit. But it kind of does get more complicated the more you think about it and the more you go into it. So first up, we had uh, Keith Fairburn at As The Crow Runs. He said, photographers make so little, they have to charge like that just to find their watermarked pictures screenshotted and slapped on someone's Instagram. They also stand in the most boring location all day and take a billion pics. The amount of time is surely worth a couple of quid. Yeah, and absolutely. That was kind of one of the big things that came back straight away. Photographers, they work really hard. It's kind of a shitty job. And yeah, watermark photos on your Instagram and Facebook, that is a bit shit. Yeah, I tend not to do that. I think I might have done that, you know, I don't know where I've ever done that, but maybe when I've just started running, but like like the race I ran, the um, 18 miler, there were some okay photos of me there. And like, I, I often like screenshot them for myself, but I wouldn't yeah. put them on my Instagram or Facebook or anything like that. Yeah, I'm someone who saves like pretty much all photos I of me I can find when they're running. And I've got some of those screenshot ones, I think from a survival of the fittest race. But they're on my computer, and I don't. I don't think I've ever shared them. I wouldn't share it. No, I wouldn't think no. it's right to share like a watermarked photo like that. Yeah, I'd have to. I'd have to buy it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Max Carnage said, "So why don't more races pay a photographer a flat and fair rate to do that, and pass on a couple of quid to each race entry, then give every runner a free digital picture or two with race entry, and in brackets maybe the option to pay to download more or get prints posted?" Question mark. Yeah, we seem to have this kind of weird binary system of either the photos are really expensive or they're free, and there's nothing in the middle. And that's a lot of people are saying. If a photo was, you know, four or five pounds, I would probably buy one or two. Mm, yeah, but I don't uh, want to pay. I don't want to go twenty-five pounds or more. 
yeah. for a load of photos that I want. I think Max has probably got, you know, I, I think the photographers should be paid for being there. They're not volunteers. I don't think oh, it's yeah. fair how they should just make money when people buy them. I think part of the attraction for people um, to running races, especially people where there may not be, you know, runners that are going to run a lot of races and maybe they're only going to run a half marathon once or, or whatever, you know, they want to have a something to remember that day by you know so photographers are really important at those sorts of races so why don't races pay them for their time and then either like max says the participants get the picture for free or is it a really low price because it's been subsidized you know yeah i think like someone like marathon photos i think in a way that's just kind of outsourcing it i think they just say Mm -hmm. right marathon photos cover this race and they just kind of take care of it so perhaps that's one less thing for the race to worry about, especially when it's a really big city race. Um, at Flash Gordy says, my mum bought mine from my first London marathon. Oh. It was like my 11th marathon, but she thought it would be nice to have. Oh, bless her. And he says, one of my sterling marathon photos was used for promotional material, so I managed to download it without having to pay. Very nice. <laughs> so all you have to do is be incredibly attractive and take a fantastic photo, and then you can just use it. Yeah, definitely. And Mark Atkinson at Monty the Mole says, for me, it's a very outdated model and ignored by the likes of Tough Mudder, Run Through, etc. They wrap the photo costs in the event and end up with thousands of professional photos with company branding shared all over social media as advertising. That's true as well. Like, it could be a marketing thing, particularly for bigger races. You know, have your little watermark at the bottom of the race, maybe. If you're paying your Mm -hmm. photographers... Have your little logo at the bottom saying Cardiff Half or whatever, you know, bing, bang, bosh. Yeah, Yeah, use it as a bit of promotion. Um, On Facebook, we had a really good response from Tal, who's someone that runs with us. Actually, one of the people that died on his ass at the end. Oh, no, of course, Tal was the one who's offered the wheelchair. Bless him at the end of the Newport Marathon. Tal is a really good runner as well. (laughs) Poor, poor boy. Had to run six minute kilometers. Oh shocking um anyway he is a photographer he's not a race photographer or a sports photographer generally but he is a photographer and he kind of knows some people that have done it he knows a bit about it so we gave quite a long post on facebook if you want to go back and look at it really really good um he says uh, it makes a few points the photographers are not normally paid by the race so they have to make money by selling the images they're also working self-employed and not like together so they all work for marathon photos and any money, so if you pay your 20 quid, that gets split between all the photographers and not just for that photographer who took that photo. Um, so there could be, you know, up to 10 photographers, all the money's got to be split between them. Uh, he also mentions, obviously, the cost of the equipment, the time and the skill. Photography is not cheap. It takes a long time as well. He said, if you're at an event for five hours, it can take five times longer than that to sort and edit all the photos. And photographers who work in this events and sport they don't work every day they're there at weekends maybe one or two events every weekend they've got to make their money in a shorter amount of time um and also he says you know you can't really complain about there not being photographs of you it's annoying but there's thousands of runners but people will get missed out and also if you're in a group you get blocked and he also says as a photographer you get drawn to the more charismatic runners so if someone's running next to you as a as he says a massive plant pot which obviously the first thing came to his head if they're having a great time in a big costume and you're looking like you're dying on your ass photographer's gonna take photos of the plant pot because they're more likely to buy the photo so if you're looking really miserable like he was at the end of the race you're not as likely so it's just it's one of those things you are going to get missed that's why well, personally i think that's why pre-ordering photos is madness yeah um so yeah we do absolutely agree photography is a valuable skill takes a lot of time and money and i think also social media has probably made us devalue photos because th- mm. photos are just they're everywhere like how many photos have you got of you as a child 
and your parents when you were young, probably very few. I think there's like two photos of my dad from the 80s and the 90s because he was the one taking the photos. So now there are photos everywhere of everything. So I think we don't really put much value on them. So the idea of paying for them all of a sudden seems kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I I understand as well. Like, I, like I said, I don't know how it all works behind the scenes. So in my head, I would think the fairest way would be to give photographers a decent wage to be working at those events but i at the same time that might not be cost effective i don't know what say for i'm using example of cardiff half just because it's a big half marathon but say london marathon as well i don't know what their cost margins are like whether that would substantially increase our entry fees yeah. you know well yeah i guess it's kind of a bit of a gamble for the photographer because yeah they perhaps you know they accept a flat fee of say 200 pounds for that day perhaps they'll make 400 pounds selling photos individually or perhaps they'll make 100 pounds selling photos individually if there are any sports photographers listening or you know anyone i would love to know about that i think that'd be very interesting to hear about that Mm. um because i just wondered i this package model is kind of everywhere so i guess it must work Mm. but i just wonder if photographers make decent money from it Mm. um and like we said before, if you could buy an individual photo for, you know, two, three, four pounds, I think I would do that quite regularly. Mm. But as I have to buy the whole package, I just don't want to. I'd probably be more likely to buy the really bad photos as well, just because it's funny. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah, I, I love a bad photo. Uh, at Flash Gordy says, I'd love to see more build your own race entries. So, mm. for example, like the entry is 30 quid, then a T-shirt would be 10 pounds, the medal would be 10 pounds, a medal insert would be 5 pounds, then photos 15 pounds. So I'd rather pay 15, 20 pounds for photos and not have a t-shirt as well as something like a carbon offset charge or a at trees, not tees option too. And I definitely agree. I, I love races where you get a bit of a cheaper entry and then the choice because I've got so many fucking t-shirts. Like yeah. at the um, at the 18 miler, the uh, raid around the, the lakes, they were selling the t-shirts at the event, you know? And mm. so you could go and have a look. If you fancy the t-shirt, you could have it. If not, especially for women because... A lot of races, it's just sort of quote-unquote unisex or men's sizes. <laughs> square. Them, yes, basically like a square. Um, especially if you're like really short like me, even the smalls tend to be absolutely massive. So you're pay- you are paying for the t-shirt. It's not a free t-shirt. When you enter, you're paying for that t-shirt. So it'd be nice to have the potential for a cheaper entry fee and then, you know, all these options that you can add on on top. Yeah, that always pisses me off when I say your race entry includes a free T-shirt. No, it's it doesn't. Like, it's not free. No. What, you're paying for that, then, are you? No, I don't think so. <laughs> um, at a Mark Ramsey said, lots of stuff published in the past. Now just a hobby. He said he's taken pics at Parkrun and was contacted by a runner to take pictures down. And he's from Belfast, so he's never questioned the need for anonymity, which I thought was very interesting. Um, the guy said he was coming back from injury and didn't want the competition to know where he was with his training. I'm like, okay, fair enough. Uh, he looked him up. And he was a 32-minute park runner. Some people take themselves a bit too seriously. I Yeah, maybe that was a bit of a cover-up saying, oh, I don't want the competition to know where I am, when really it's like, I don't know, I don't want the Gestapo to know where I am or Again, something. nothing wrong with being a 32-minute park runner, but taking photos down so the competition doesn't know where you are. I mean, they can look at your result. Come on. That I, yeah, I think that's a cover-up. That's a cover-up as Jersey. He's, in, he's doing some shade. Or she, I don't know. Doing, oh, no, his guy. Uh, yeah, he's doing some shady shit. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> Len Martin said, let's be honest, if all you want is a pretty ace running profile pic, you find yourself a picturesque park run with a half-decent photographer. We all do that, right? Check previous events photos, see who took them, check future rosters when they're back taking photos again, then turn up, comb your face and wear your least smeggiest running top. We all do that, right? No, Len. (laughs) No, No, I don't think anyone goes to that much trouble. 
you okay then? <laughs> if I go to a park run and there happens to be a photographer there, great. But I'm not going there just for the photo. <laughs> Some poor random photographer who's just doing this as a hobby at the weekend and Len turns up like, oh, I'm a, I'm a big fan of your work. Just make, make sure you get my best side. Oh my God, it's you. <laughs> I used to have loads of park run uh, photos because there's a really good photographer uh, at Cardiff Park Run. But I haven't really been to Cardiff Park Run since about 2015 regularly. So I got loads of good ones and then they just stopped because I started going oh. everywhere else instead. Yeah, because he's in like Len's basement or something, that photographer. He's probably not even at Park probably, Run anymore. Yeah. He's Len's personal photographer. <laughs> <laughs> Whether he likes it or not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Helen Guy said, I've never seen a running photo of myself that I would pay for and definitely not at the price they're asking. I'd much prefer to pay an extra couple of quid for a race entry and photos be at no extra cost if I wanted them. Yep, as we've said before. Mm-hmm. Claire Falconer Flint says, I don't photo well, so often just take a look at mine and have a laugh. But this year, photos have been BS. In one 10k, half the pics for my number were me and half some random bloke. At the first ultra I have ever done, there were some at the start, absolutely none around the whole course, even though I spotted the photographer and proper stopped more than once. And crossing the finish, all of them had some different random bloke covering half <laughs> of me. So photos are definitely bullshit. Oh, I get that. I remember I ran my fastest 10k at um, Cardiff Bay 10k, like year, way before the pandemic, whatever its first year was. And not only, I think I mentioned on the podcast, not only were there no photos of me, no one saw me. So I got this tank. I felt amazing, and I felt like I looked really good. You know when you're you're running like fast for you, and yeah. you feel really strong, and you think I look really fucking awesome. So my partner, like Freya, was there. She didn't see me. I finished. And I was like, "Did you see me run? I was so fucking good." And like half our run club was there. No one saw me. Amy, was your race number and chip in someone else's pocket? <laughs> I have no idea because then I was like, "So no one saw me on the day." So I was like, "Oh, I can't wait for these photos. They're going to be so good. I felt so strong. No photos of me." None, none whatsoever. It's, yeah, I get it, Claire. Do <laughs> uh, you know what um Holly pointed out to me a few weeks ago as well? When there is a photographer taking photos, what you need is a line on the road of where they're focusing. Because sometimes you see them on a straight road, like 50 feet away. You don't know when to start smiling and when to stop. Yeah. Because, you, I, you know, I don't know what kind of lens they're using, how much they're zooming in, at what point they're going to be taking the photos. You end up just running for ages with a big grin yeah. and with your thumbs up, like, has, has he taken it? Has he, has, he, has he taken it yet? And then by the time you drop it, you know that's when they're going to take the photo. Yeah. So photographers, <laughs> another little request for you, please. Could you put a little line on the road of where you're focusing, please? That would be really useful. <laughs> like on a stage at the theatre, so you know yep. where to stand and stuff. Yeah, yeah. hit your mark and you'll get better photos. More people buy your photos. There you go. That's your top tip. Definitely. And uh, the, the the last comment on this from Facebook, David Sinclair just replied, OMG, don't get me started. Which kind of misses the point of a discussion, doesn't it? Okay, Dave, we won't. <laughs> no, okay, cool, thanks. Just don't don't worry about that. As well. So there we go, running photos. Bullshit or not? Oh, I don't know. I can't quite decide. Mm. They're either completely bullshit or not, just like prices. Yeah, it's either definitely. really high or free. It depends whether you've actually had a good photo or not, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it does. Or if you've got the expendable income. Uh, if, you, if you've got any more to say about running photos, we want to hear it. Or if you know any race photographers, we would like to talk to them. Or send us your really bad race, race photos. We love to see those. Never oh, get bored of those. I always want to see a race photo. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so to support this bullshit, you can pay us just £2 a month to help us put on things like the live show and enter stupid races. And in return, we will butcher a song and sing your names as thanks. Just head to patreon.com forward slash running is bullshit to either sign up or cancel in disgust. And this week's patrons were Matt Lee, Bernadette McCarthy, J. 
Jonathan Carter, Stuart Stevens, Julia Page, Sophie Jakes, J. Victoria Knight, Phillips, Paul Herbert, Angela Foster, Swale, Steph Hall, Nikki Genders, Matt Garner, Amanda Murray, Hind, Liz Reese, Tim Hughes, Penny Simpson, Rachel Bentley, Matthew Wall, Victoria Dick, Matt Caffin, Dave Sinclair, Rob Smith, Matt Newbury, Karen Hamilton, Matt Jones, Gabby Thomas, Naya Carl Fleming, Charlie Neverson, Ian Hales, Anthony Howe, Ivor Hewitt, Gordy Thelwell, Elliot Line, Debbie Hurley, David Irwin, Hugh Phillips, Kath Everard, Rich Kemp, Sam Wally, Martin Kaplan, Matt H. Amanda Hernandez, Claire, Dina Maria Wicks, Kirk Shepard, Kel Ryder, Brian Simpson, Simon Ross, Chris Whitmore, Clark Gilmore, Ruth KP, Sherry Grubbs, Neil Denson, Len Martin, Ian Thompson, Lisa Gibbon, Victoria Magnus. And that is from one of my favorite Disney films, The Aristocats. I think it's one of my favorites because it's one of like the three we had on video when I was growing up. I love The Aristocats. What, you didn't have a complete set of Disney videos? No, I was I was poor. So, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Amy. <laughs> I had the complete set. All right. Just saying, just saying. <laughs> had a bit of money in Leicester, did you? Yeah, it's all we did. It's all we had. Just, just our, uh, it didn't keep us warm at night. No roof, but we had plenty of Disney videos. Yeah. <laughs> right, on to your messages. Uh, don't get, forget to get in touch with your running bullshit. Just search Running is BS on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram and let us know why you particularly hate running this week. Yeah, I had lots of fun. I created my very own Jimmy Watkins style video uh, where I ran through the woods and did a podcast review in his own unique style. And you can see that on our social media from a few weeks back. I'll probably retweet it or something uh, this week when the podcast is out. Uh, that was lots of fun. And the best part about it was I did a line where I took the piss out of Amy. I'm running along. Uh, if you haven't seen Jimmy Watkins' videos, by the way, it's where he reviews music while running and his brain works in a very strange way and he just comes out with these amazing quotes. So I'm running along saying, oh, Amy's fallen over again. I can't believe it. That girl can never stay upright. Then I fell over. <laughs> it was like three strides after I finished just to give myself a little bit of space after that uh, bit of video and I fell over. And I basically hit the ground laughing. <laughs> It was wonderful. Uh, by the way, and because I, I, I kind of landed slightly sideways on my leg as well, that started to pull at the, because it was like four days, three days before the uh, marathon as well. So I, it started to pull and ache a little bit during, but I got a lovely big scab on my knee off it as well. That's what you that get. This is what you get. what you get. This this podcast is like, it's an ancient curse on it. Whereas if you if you take the piss yeah. out of me. I know, I need to stop. Happen. Yeah, I need to stop. Yeah. The, the the gods of running irony were, are on your side. Yeah, exactly. Right. At Ali underscore cat underscore 78 said, signed up for my first 10K and followed Amy's plan of not properly training, but showing up on race day and hope for the best. Thank you. That is trademarked. Um, they hadn't properly marked the turnaround and we ended up doing an extra 1.7K. Jesus. Was barely prepared to, to go the original distance, let alone further. Going to be hurting tomorrow. Mismarked race courses are bullshit. That's a lot. 2K more is a, is a lot. You know, On a 10K, yeah. You, well, yeah. Not only if you're trying to run it for the first time, if you're trying to run it quick, oh, you're going to run out of steam that last mile. That's nasty. Um, there's someone new to our run club uh, who recently did a 34k half marathon because of the course was badly marked. 
And that like, was how, out. How many k's is normally a half marathon? I only work twenty one. What? <laughs> yeah, she so she ran about fifty percent further, That's over fifty percent further, just getting lost out in the, in the hills and the woods. Jesus. <laughs> Uh, it seems to be a lot of this going on as well. Did you hear recently the half marathon, uh, the women's world half marathon record went, but the course was 53 meters short, so it didn't count. What is up with people oh. measuring courses? I mean, part of running, like a timed race, is firstly like the timing. you got to get that right. And they're always like flashing these fancy like watch companies that are sponsoring the timing. The yeah. other important part in order to make the timing aspect work is the distance. They're, they're the two things, time and distance. I mean, they're surely you know things. if someone's going to be rocking up who's potentially could run a world record. They're not just good. They might run a world record. I think you might just give it a double check. Just get your distances right. Come on. Uh, right, we've had an email from Lisa Gibbon. Uh, you know who that is, don't you? Uh, probably. No, just one of those people that listens, one of those. I yeah, yeah. <laughs> she says, hi, Stuart and Amy. Yesterday evening, I sat out for my tempo run with the aim of running a set pace the entire run. Before I left, I thought I was missing something. So I did a quick check. Running clothes, trainers, headphones, phone, watch, all checked present, no problem, set off. However, I got 100 meters down the road before it happened. I realized what I'd forgotten. This was serious. Shit. How will I cope without a hanky? Ah! This is like a Halloween special, <laughs> this one. <laughs> the internal dialogue began. Oh dear, I'll have to go back and get one. Wait, I can't stop my tempo run. It'll mess with my pacing. I can cope with that hanky. What? Cope with that hanky? How? It's fine. I can use my sleeve. Lots of people use their sleeve. It's not an issue. My sleeve? Then it'll be slimy. I'll have to go back for a hanky. But my pacing, it needs to be consistent. Okay, I have a plan. <laughs> Bless her. This probably all happened in about a quarter of a second as well. I then proceeded to turn around to head back home and phone my husband to enlist his help. I asked him to bring a hanky to the door for me so I could run past and grab it without losing pace. <laughs> it's like a pit stop. I reached my door and guess what? He wasn't there waiting. Oh, oh Mr. Gibbon. I understand the gravity of the situation. So I banged the door as I ran past, continued running up the road a bit, turned around and ran back down. To my delight, there he was, stood at the door, arm extended with a lovely clean white hanky, my hanky hero. Forgetting a hanky is bullshit. Thanks for the pod. Wish I could be there tomorrow for the live show. All the best. I'm sure it'll be great. I'm sorry you weren't. Amy wouldn't have known who you were anyway. I, I thought you you would emailed us in, Lisa. I, 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 yeah, anyway. <laughs> well, okay. On that email, firstly, clearly Lisa is batshit insane. <laughs> this is too much. She's probably not yet in a dangerous way to herself or others, but I think it could get there. Oh, I love it. I, I absolutely love it because, Lisa, what's going on? What is going on in like, your life? All of that. And she said she was only 100 metres down the road. I mean, if you want to be consistent with your pacing, just stop and start again. It doesn't. Uh, yeah. And also, you don't need to be consistent with the pacing. It doesn't matter. In the grand say. scheme of things, you're not, you're not out running a world half marathon record. It doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, Lisa, I love it. Your, hus- your poor husband. Lisa, your poor husband oh. is, is. We need to ask if if Mister Lisa Gibbon is okay. You know yeah. what's going on. You know if, if <laughs> imagine you're at home. You've had a long day at work. You're absolutely knackered. You sat. You just made yourself like an amazing pizza. And food. <laughs> Lisa's <laughs> finally gone for a run. She stopped you know, going on been, about. She stopped oh. talking about running. She's actually gone out. Oh, a bit yeah. of peace. Yeah, I'm going to put something on TV I want to watch. Yeah. Oh, God, I've just got in the bath. Now I've relaxing bath while she's out. I'm not talking about hankies because I'm sick of hearing about hankies. And then suddenly you hear your phone going off in the other room. Ring, no, ring. Just, just ignore it. Just ignore it. She's ran past the door once, though. You hear she's your phone the, going off. She's got a bit of postman's knock on the way past and she's carried on yeah. up the road. 
<laughs> you hear the phone ring again. She's like, right, I need to answer this because God forbid there's something serious has happened. She keeps calling, you know, and then it's Lisa, the fucking hankies. <laughs> right, Mr. Given, I think you should write all this shit down because... If it ever came to it, this would be good grounds for the divorce. Yeah, this, this is evidence all right here. This is probably our favourite email we've ever had. Thank you. <laughs> oh, dear. Right, on to another email. So this is from Gareth Barker, who says, Hi, Stuart and Amy. After listening to your live podcast, I had to get in touch about bullshit running surfaces. The day after your live recording, I ran my first 50k race down in Bournemouth, run to the sea. Humble brag. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, For the most part, it was a great event with plenty of good stuff at the checkpoints and fantastic marshals who were incredibly helpful and aware of traffic at road crossings. However, as we approached 49k, after having run about 15k along the seafront, comfortably paved, they throw in a few hundred metres of sand to run along. Oh. Jesus. I'm not sure if there's anything worse than a big section of sand running, if you can call it running at this point, at 1k before the end of your 50k race. Thank you both for a great podcast. Keep up the bullshit. Much love, Gareth Barker. That is bullshit. I mean, the end of my 50ks have felt like I'm running on sand, but to actually be on sand as well is that's inexcusable. Yeah, that's why I quite like the Vogan because the first sort of mile, of, well, actually the first almost four miles is a lot of sand, like through sand dunes and stuff and across the beach. Oh. But I couldn't imagine doing it the other way and doing that at the end. It'd be a Ugh. fucking nightmare. There's just no need for sand in an ultra in, at any point. No. Ugh. Um, we've got some more BS marketing from Gabby Nayer, who is not Lisa Gibbon. Um, she says... Um, they've given up talking about what kind of shoe this is, like bouncy or firm or whatever, but we get a critique of the colour palette, stitching and nice packaging. It has a premium sock liner too, something that's obviously top of my shoe selection criteria. And this is the Shadow 6000 Destination Unknown. <laughs> what the fuck kind of name is that for a shoe? Destination Unknown. Um, well, Amy, you'll be pleased to know it, it combines vibrant details with a soft brown, blue and beige colour palette. Sounds disgusting. It, it's delivered in exclusive packaging and and the tongue features a faded geographical map a, a hidden nod to the limited edition theme it's so hidden they've mentioned it up front it contains an old map and x marks the spot where i've treasure the uppers there's something about the upper describing the top of the show as the upper i don't like it and i don't know why the mm. upper just it's just the top to me um that's made from interwoven premium suede and leather panels featuring micro perforated toes there is subtle contrasting stitching on the forefoot and a reflective inserts on the back is it normal to have suede and leather running shoes i mean i don't think so like most of my material most of my running shoes are made out of just like synthetic material i can't imagine that suede or leather is particularly nice to run in yeah. Well, what I've just uh, read out there, that paragraph, that's that's all of the description of the shoe. So there's no kind of what kind of shoe it is, who like it's going to fit. Yeah, like, yeah, none of that. Like, not what it's, what kind of distance it's good for. That's just the, something about the colour and the subtle contrasting stitching. It's also got a premium sock liner and an ionic cushioning system, which is really fantastic. Mm. Amazing. I love how it says, right. like, exclusive packaging as well. Like, doesn't the packaging always reflect the shoe you're buying? So by that, well, it they're is exclusive. always exclusive. It's not just in a Tesco bag, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to say what the shoe it's is. It's exclusive to that shoe because yeah. that's what shoe boxes are. <laughs> love it. I, that's what I love, how they've got to... Because obviously a running shoe is a running shoe is a running shoe, you know? But they've got to, like, talk it up and make it into this insane thing. Yeah. 
The bullshit. Um, so, you know, sometimes when the headline is just the whole story. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, possibly one of the best examples. A woman who pooped her pants halfway through a marathon and ran with it in her shorts until she crossed the finish line achieved a personal record. You don't need the article for it. That's it. That's the story. She shat herself intentionally halfway through a marathon. was And she ran like 407 or something like that. Uh, got, got a PB and then had to go and dispose of it. I love how, I love the phrasing of it. She ran with it in her shorts. Not like she didn't <laughs> stop and like clean it. She ran with it, the poo, in her shorts. <laughs> the whole way. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's it. I, I It's glad... It's lucky it was a, a decent, obviously, I, I guess it was a decent log, nice, something nice and hard and firm to run with. But how distracting would that be just oh. to know it was there? You'd kind of want it a bit more wet, actually, I think. Oh, You'd want it more I like diarrhea, to be honest. I, I would prefer that. You want like... it dripping down your legs? Yeah, yeah. You'd rather have... have it dripping down your legs than just have just, it... Just pretend it's sweat, because you've got something bouncing around, touching your butthole all the time in your shorts. <laughs> <laughs> it's not nice. <laughs> Please let us know if you'd rather have a wet or a dry poo in your pants during half of a marathon. Yep. You're pointing me to poll. We need a poll for that. I've not had a poll for a while. This is probably Oh, Instagram as well. This is why we've got Instagram. We'll do the poll and have a picture. (laughs) The marathon de sable or the only big race that your work colleagues know about and will joke that you should do has just happened and nearly half of the participants dropped out of what is also known as the toughest foot race on earth, which is much higher than the usual five to ten percent, which when I read this was really surprising because I would have thought the average of people dropping out would have been higher than five to ten percent. But I think they're like the hardcore of the hardcore people that do it. I think that's what it is. Can't be that hard then, can it though? Can't be. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Uh, this is because temperatures of up to 56 degrees and a stomach bug hitting runners, medics, and support staff. So lots 56. more people. 56? Lots more 56 people running with food in their pants. I know, that's hot. Oh my god. And sadly, a runner died this year on the second day, and this is the third death in the race's 35 year history. Another runner said when her partner became ill, they used their emergency beacons but received no help and has led some to question whether the race should have gone ahead. So the race organisers used the line, safety is rule number one, when clearly it isn't. It's probably about rule four or five at the the best. Um, If the most important thing was safety, then you wouldn't let people run across the Sahara, of course. But particularly not in those temperatures and not when half the runners have a stomach bug. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, even like the the medics and support staff as well. So you're shitting your guts out and so is the doctor. They're not going to be able to give you any help and people aren't you know come and to help uh, people using their emergency beacons there was i did see a comment on facebook when this was posted about a guy who did it and he said well actually that's just what the marathon disable is like i don't think you know it should have gone ahead it's fine you have to have to be prepared for these things which i think is just that mentality that people that actually do this race it shows you how serious it is you know we saw the dragons back and like 75 percent of people dropped out of that a lot half of them on day one only five ten percent people uh, drop out of the marathon de sable and actually only three people have died in 35 years which surprised me actually yeah i made it you know i joke about oh, well, it can't be that hard but yeah i think it does say something about the type of people that are going and, and running this race because that is quite a low dropout rate and yeah i would have 35 years and for only three deaths which of course one death is too many deaths but it's i would have expected those numbers to be a lot higher actually yeah 
But it's just that line about safety. Uh, I, it just always makes me laugh. In like parachuting companies say, oh, safety is the most important thing. And like, well, it's not, is it? Parachuting is the most important thing, but safety is kind of, it's high up there, of course. But yeah. If- and I, I get the point that they're saying, you know, if you're going to do this race, then you've got to expect there to be a lot of adversity and to be mm. prepared for these things. But then the race organisers can't promise a certain level of safety and not deliver it. If you can't deliver that level of safety, fair enough. Yeah. That's why you get people signing waivers or whatever. Yeah. But if you're promising that and then people are setting off emergency be- beacons and not receiving any yeah. answer to that, then, you know. Yeah, if, if they're, if, you know, the temperature is high and the conditions are harsh is one thing. But when your actual support staff are dropping out, you can't provide the safety that you've promised. That's potentially when you probably should think about cancelling, but I don't think they ever will by the sound of that race. And finally, this is kind of a bit more of a shout out than news, really. And it's to our previous guest, Vic Owens, the happy runner. And she recently took part in a race called Lon Lass, which starts in Hollyhead, which is the very top left of Wales on the little island up there, and finishes in Cardiff Bay. The catch is you have to do that 250 miles in under four days with no outside support, no stopping to sleep indoors and only water at checkpoints. But you can access a drop bag every 50 miles. So anyway, I went dot watching on the last day. I was kind of throughout the few days watching the little dot move around the map because that's always fun. And there was a bit of a break about 25 miles out just past Merthyr Tidville. And then they started moving again. And I did have the opportunity to go out and shout at her because she was kind of quite close to my house. But by the time she got here, it was like half past nine in the evening. And I just thought, ah, I don't think she's actually going to do it. She probably doesn't want me running out there going, ah, running is bullshit. Um, that probably wouldn't help. But then, according to the tracker, she doubled her average speed to that point, and she ran the last 10k in 66 minutes after running 250 miles, and she's the first woman to complete the race with a couple of minutes to spare. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, it was just, it was absolutely mad. I was following it for days, and she was kind of dropping, she was getting further behind the rest, and I just thought, oh, she's not going to make it. And by the time she got to kind of bits of Cardiff that I knew... I knew how far it was to go. I thought, I don't, you know, I don't think I could run it in that time because I can't be bothered. But to run the last 10K in 66 minutes is pretty incredible. And the first woman to ever complete the race, I think it's within 88 hours, has to be done. It is a hardcore race. And yeah, uh, yeah, congratulations, Vic, for doing that. She's been doing some crazy stuff over the last few months. Because I saw on her Instagram, she was doing a tunnel run where she was just running up and down a tunnel. And I think it was like a mile long tunnel. She was going to do, it was a 200 mile race. Yeah, because I think I, because I, yeah, I think it was about a mile because I was thinking, gosh, so she's going to have to basically do that 200 times. Like that's a lot. And yeah, I think she managed to get to like 100 miles. She got to 100 and she kind of gracefully dropped out at that point because she knew there was no point going on. Mate, I'd be dropping out of four miles. I couldn't be couldn't be asked with that that's, a lot. <laughs> that's very, very crazy. Yeah, so she's def- definitely worth following on Instagram because she posts all this crazy stuff about what she's doing. And whenever I see her story pop up, I'm like, what is she doing now? <laughs> yeah, I've got, yeah, what's next? <laughs> right, Stuart, what have you got coming up next? Ooh, that's nearly the episode done now. Uh, next weekend is Canacross weekend, but not for me. Holly's running Canacross with William. Uh, we've got a two-day event in the Forest of Dean. Uh, both are like five, five and a half K through the woods. Uh, that should be a lot of fun. I can't wait nice. to watch William do some proper Canacross. So that's like a proper race? Proper race. Nice. Yeah, two-day thing. Uh, that's pretty much it, really. Uh, how about you? Anything going on? <sighs> not really. No, I am, I'm going out and running a bit more now. I'm feeling... Um, like physically and mentally better, like physically mainly because, like I said, I was aching so much after all the running I was doing over the summer. So I'm in a space now where I can actually go out running. Um, 
So yeah, I want to go out running with Pippin a bit more over the next few weeks as well, just because she's been doing so well. But other than that... You've not, not got much. another race to drop out of? No, I've deferred everything to next year. So <laughs> next year, I'll, I'll be dropping out of races. Everything's been cool. deferred. So yeah. <laughs> this year's the year of deferral. Next year's the year of just not doing them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Unless yeah, you... Unless you overtrain again. There's only so much you can defer. Sure. And I, I forgot, I deferred that bloody, um, what's it called? The Brampton Valley Way one that I was supposed yeah. to do. I couldn't do that, not because I hadn't trained, partly because I hadn't trained, but the main thing was because of COVID, because we weren't allowed to travel outside of Wales. Yeah. Uh, so I remember I've got that one deferred as well, so that's next year, you know? You need that's... to write all these down. I know, I know, I know, I know. I won't write them down. I was getting an email the week before saying, oh, remember you're doing this. And I'm like, oh, shit, yeah. Can I defer? Please. <laughs> <laughs> please please let me defer please sir please let me defer <laughs> anyway if you've enjoyed this bullshit please visit runningisbs.com to see the show notes and links from this episode and the whole back catalogue as well as links to our patreon merch store and social medias see you later check out our disappointing instagram yeah. <laughs>